Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the F1 Show for coverage of the 2010 Italian Grand Prix from Monza. I'm Robin Warner, and I am a bit under the weather, so I sound a little bit nasally today. You're going to have to suffer through that, uh, as Jim has all day today. But that's okay. We've still got a good show for you today. Yes. I am Jim Lau. Thank and, you. Uh, we, will, we will give you the latest updates and dead horse beatings from, uh, from everything that's gone on since the last show. Uh, we've got the taste of the race and the exciting cuisine that we have to go along with the Italian Grand Prix and the proper spirit of Italy. And then coverage of everything that happened this weekend, feedback from our listeners, and all the usual good stuff. Dead horse beatings. Are those DHD, DHBs? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. got a lot of DHBs. Yes. Let's get into it. All right, so I know this has been in the news uh, for basically since the uh, Hungarian Grand Prix with the whole Ferrari team order gate scandal team order, you know, uh, nonsense. But this dead horse needs just a little bit more beating now that they've uh, – <laughs> I think the matter has finally been dealt with. Um, and they had – you know, Ferrari had their day in court in front of the uh, World Motorsport Council, part of the FIA. And it's kind of a, kind of a weird result. So the bottom line is um, – they they upheld the hundred thousand was a hundred thousand dollars or hundred yes, million dollars hundred thousand dollar fine, um, but they said oh you don't we don't need to punish you any further that that punishment um, is okay even though we did find that you broke the rules <clears throat> and what was a little bit weird was Ferrari um, ended up with like a couple of different approaches which sort of shows their attitude so at first. Um, they were like, oh, well, you know, Massa missed a shift. It was just a mistake. There was right. nothing, nothing, t- nothing to it. No team orders. What um, are you talking about? And then it was like, well, no, but then you got on the radio and you said uh, that this, you know, do you understand this message? And it was sort of clear, <coughs> okay, you are asking for, uh, for Massa to pull by to, to let Alonso, Alonso through. And they're saying, no, 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 that's not what we were saying. What we were saying was he's faster and, you know, we're sorry we couldn't give you a better car. Right. That, that was the one that bo- bothered me the most was that, they were trying to say that Robert Smedley apologized to Massa, not because Massa had to let Alonso through, but because Robert Smedley did not give Massa a fast enough car, which is just silly and ridiculous. Yeah. And, I mean, do you – well, it's uh, like, do you think we're stupid? But then later they say – you know, Ferrari went on to say sort of in the, in the, the whole meeting and everything, um, okay, well – you know, we told Massa some information, but we didn't order him to do anything. So, yeah, we sort of gave him information, but that wasn't an order. We never said, Massa, we ordered you to do this. We just right. sort of were telling our driver something, and he made a decision as on his own as to what to do. Uh, so it's like I, you know, I just I, I think back to um, it's just like if you're going to lie, you got to stick with the lie. Yeah, you, know, you can't. No, yeah, I, they're I like they're agree. like they're like throwing out all these. Oh no, it wasn't this. It wasn't me. Oh, it was me. Except I didn't do that, and it's not what he said. So Ferrari's come at it with all these different angles. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, what I guess what the FIA, uh, certain people on the FIA did want uh, Ferrari either either the win given back to Massa or some kind of you know penalty, you know additional penalty to pay for Ferrari. Um, and and you know there's sort of. Uh, opinions differ on what to do about it. Um, but the bottom line is uh, the reason they didn't uh, do any of those things, actually impose any more sanctions or cause any future problems for Ferrari, um, they, you know, so says the the, uh, the FIA, is that there's been inconsistency in the past in the way this rule has been enforced. Yeah, and I, I so, think that's the issue, right? I mean, because team orders have been given since that rule has been put in place. It's just that Ferrari was... It's been tested on how blunt you can be. And, you know, this time around, Ferrari was blunt enough about it that the FIA called foul. But technically, they are right. They never did say Massa pull over for Alonso. That never was said. And what bothers me about Ferrari is that they can't just say, you know, we never actually said to pull over. You know, Massa interpreted correctly what we wanted, but, you know, we never ordered him to do anything. And that, but to, to treat us like we're absolute blundering idiots and say, no, 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 that wasn't the case. That's what bothers me. But the FIA certainly has been totally inconsistent about this. Um, you know, Raikkonen pulling over for Massa in 08, uh, Massa pulling over for Raikkonen in 07, um, team orders between Kovalainen and Hamilton. I mean, it's it's not. Yeah, but what's weird is the outcome to say we're not going to give you any well, – I mean the marshals decided $100,000 punishment, which, which I mean is really not a big deal for Ferrari. It's I, totally I, I academic. Mean, um, so the fact that they say, okay, well, because it's been inconsistent, now 
um, you know, the way Christian Horner reads into this, obviously, team principal at Red Bull, um, he's like, well, now we've got carte blanche. We can do whatever we want for team orders uh, because, hey, they've been inconsistent in the past. So that means we can, you know, we can just team order away. You know, right, if, right. They're, if they're inconsistent in the past, that means they're not going to give us penalties in the future. Then, hey, it's open season. We can do whatever <laughs> we want. Um, so. You know, anyway, that that's the end of the story on on that for now. Um, and it's just so weird when you think about some of the penalties that have happened with you know with Renault with the whole crash gate, you know, which had a lot more at stake with with yeah, PK sure. Junior spinning and causing safety car and all this other stuff. Um, when you think about okay, they had penalties and they kind of had these suspended penalties where like oh you we, you would have been disqualified except if you don't do anything else bad then this will happen. Right, you're kind you of know, on probation for things as as you know as seemingly minor as a loose wheel nut. You know, there have been all these you know you can't even race it. The next race, you know, it's so inconsistent. But um, I guess they say they're going to push the matter to the FIA sporting working group to work out more consistent punishments or more consistent penalties for these kind of things in the future. Just Um, do away with the rule. Just do away with it. It it sucks. I don't like it. I would definitely wish that teams would just let their teammates race. But it's just the fact of life. Just teams are teams and they have interests at the team level, you know. Yeah. So – it's it's a shame that there has to be a rule in place for something that I would say 99% of the time would work itself out just fine. Agreed. Pizza! Yeah, oh. yeah, buddy. Oh, it's so great. Man, they should have they should have like half the races in Italy That's for what I'm saying. the whole season. Pizza's so good. Yeah. So as Italian as pizza that we ordered from a place here in Michigan may or may not be, it was delicious. Well, no, it's from Cottage Inn. I mean, that's an Italian place, right? That sounds pretty Italian to me. I think so. Either I way. I think it's Italian for we make pizza. That's just like you get in Monza. Exactly. So from Friday practice, we saw a McLaren at the top of the timesheets in, in the first free practice, but it was Jensen Button. Imagine that, man. What it's you your imagine, boy. Of course. I mean, I'm assuming that's the default for most people that Jensen Button's fastest. <laughs> I mean, Hamilton's had a couple of lucky, you know, a couple of lucky races here and there. Yeah, the past, yeah, yeah. You know, season. But, uh, you know. This is what I expected all along. Yeah, well, well, Hamilton had uh, car trouble early on. He had to spend a lot of time in the garage, missed a lot of running on Friday. <clears throat> um, Mark Weber had, like, a lot of issues in practice. Had an engine shutdown for, I think it was, like, low water pressure or something, uh, some, uh-huh. some problems with coolant early on. Uh, or actually late in the session, 15 minutes from the end, he lost sort of the last 15 minutes of the session. Well, I believe – I think Weber had trouble in both sessions. Yeah. It was either that or – it was either Friday practice one and two or two and three. It might have been the Saturday morning. Yeah, practice. the Saturday morning, which we're not there yet. We're not there thanks yet. Thanks for skipping ahead. Oops. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, failure for STR. I think it was Buemi's car that uh, had a failure. Was it Agusuari's car? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was interesting to see everyone, you know, learning their way through, uh, you know, Della Rogia and along, you know, the Parabolica. Just with the heavy fuel, we saw, you know, some some fairly spectacular offs, including one by Felipe Massa, where he just got the car a little yeah. bit off. And the, didn't uh, put a scratch on the car. Yeah. Just got way, way off in the gravel traps going very, very quickly. And basically stayed in the throttle just to kind of keep the car moving and, and actually, you it's know. the thing to do. Kept it off the... Uh, off the off the barrier, and then later in an interview, said, "Oh, I was trying to be like you know, just like Kimi Räikkönen and do some rallying." Like, Shut up, <laughs> you know what? Uh, what's funny? I felt bad for uh, HRT. Senna only got something like eight laps all day on Friday, but at the same time, they were what was it? Seven seconds off the pace. I they, this track more than any really shows the difference between good aerodynamics, good slippery car, and not so good slippery car. Yeah. And uh, and then so the Ferraris were actually at the top of the timesheet uh, until Vettel put in a fast lap near the end and uh, ended up with uh, with Vettel on top of Friday practice. But uh, yeah, so the Ferraris are looking uh, pretty strong this weekend. Absolutely. So okay, Saturday came along and uh, before we qualified, of course, there was one more practice and like we mentioned, Weber once again had issues. Yeah, I so I'm pretty sure Vettel is uh, is just sabotaging his car now because Weber's like got the championship lead and yep. Vettel's all mm-hmm. like oh, I'm immature. And yeah, then, exactly. Know, so he's like messing with. That's his- my guess is that it was his rattle. Yeah, he, uh, he left his rattle in Weber's gearbox. But no, I mean, yeah, but Weber had a, a couple of failures and, and missed a lot of on-track running, so that's uh, that's certainly going to cause problems for him. But uh, the other interesting, really interesting story for uh, qualifying or for Saturday before we get into qualifying is um, 
McLaren is splitting their F-Duct strategy. So Button is running the F-Duct. Hamilton is not, um, which I think will suit their styles because, you know, uh, Button... Right. And likes... that is a driver decision. Yeah. Button wanted the higher di- downforce. Hamilton didn't. And Hamilton is sort of more able to manage the slippery, slip-slidey car a little bit better. And, and Button's a faster driver. Get the, get the aerodynamic <laughs> advantage out of it. But um, No, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Button, uh, as, as uh, we've heard from Anthony Davidson in the past, stuff like that, tends to like a car that's... Uh, doesn't slip around as much. Hamilton's more comfortable with cars slipping around, so this makes perfect sense um, since they have the option to run it this way. Yeah, so there was a gearbox problem for the UT, so he was the uh, the odd man out in Q1 along with all the other regulars. Uh, Schumacher was was uh, eliminated in Q2. He's, he's going to start 12th. Um, and uh, I, I got to say, the Red Bulls just didn't have their usual you know Q3 magic. Uh, right. They just they did not make it to the top of the uh, top of the grid. Which is exactly uh, expected if you think about, you know, a car that has extremely high downforce and is able to, you know, get more out of an aerodynamics package than anything else. The one place where they're going to be weak is the place where you pretty much just need to be fast in a straight line. So that is the case for the Red Bulls. They knew coming into this this was going to be one of their weaker races, and they seem to be reasonably happy with, um, with their position considering uh, the nature of their car. Um, and I did want to mention, uh, you know, Schumacher was 12th, but he was actually um, first. He was pole position in the Masters category of qualifying. So good for him. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so great runs for Ferrari. And, uh, allow, you know, Fernando Alonso actually, uh, you know, is on pole, um, set the set the pole time early in the session, too. It was, uh, yeah, it was a really yeah. early lap. He says, yeah, we like to go in and get one lap in the books and then go back and, you know, really go and, and attack it differently, whatever. And he couldn't beat it. Didn't improve it. But uh, so that time held. So just a, you know, a magic run for Alonso there. But uh, so the top five rundown is Alonso, Button, your boy, That's on right, the outside baby. pole in second. Uh, then Massa, uh, then Mark Weber up to fourth. So with with limited running, I think that's a good recovery for that. Um, and to, to get the most out of that car and better than Vettel. And uh, and Hamilton in fifth. Uh, so that's, you know, that that's our our, our breakdown. And uh, one Hamilton... More qu- one more quick thing to mention before yeah. we get out of qualifying, though, is Weber did that pace on his Spa engine. This was the same engine he used in Spa. Vettel changed engines for this race. Hmm. Yeah, and also uh, Hamilton pretty immediately says he regretted switching to not using the F-duct. He says, oh, that was a bad call. Oops. Oh, Oh, well, what can you do? Oh, well. Monza, the fastest racetrack of the year, with average speeds approaching 160 miles per hour, is also the last stop of the European leg of the 2010 F1 Championship. And with only six races left, championship points are on everyone's mind. The top two qualifiers, Fernando Alonso of Ferrari and Jensen Button of McLaren, see their hopes fading. So this race for them is about survival. And survive they did. Jensen's once again had a great start to the race, this time from a solid position that allowed him to take the lead as he entered the first chicane. Following very close behind were both Ferraris, with Alonso just ahead of Massa after an intra-team scrap for second position. For the first half of the first lap, Lewis Hamilton muscled his way to fourth, but then he bit off more than his right front suspension could chew and ended his day very early in the sand traps. No points scored. Meanwhile, the other front runner, Mr. Dreamy McDreambags himself, Mark Webber, languished around in ninth place. So up front, it quickly became a three-horse race, with two of them prancing, with massive championship points gains up for grabs. Button, in the lead, quickly proved he had the gumption to hold off the near-relentless pressure of Alonso, so the battle stretched out 37 laps until the McLaren finally ceded the lead for pit stop and fresh rubber. This proved fatal for Button's winning chances as Ferrari left Alonso out for another lap and a faster pit stop allowed him to retain the lead from Button. And as the checkered flag flew, the manic Ferrari fans were electric as Fernando wins the Monza Grand Prix. Button managed to take second and grab 18 extremely valuable points, finishing ahead of Massa's Ferrari in third. Sebastian Vettel salvaged some points with a clever last lap pit stop, finishing fourth. He was ahead of Mercedes driver Nico Rosberg. Sixth place saw Mark Webber cross the line, nothing stellar, but enough to reclaim the lead in the championship points. Seventh went to Nico Hulkenberg in the Williams, a great result for the young German. 
Robert Kubica finished 8th in the Renault. He was followed by the two most experienced drivers in F1 history, Michael Schumacher in 9th and Rubens Barrichello in 10th. Jim, as we get closer to the end of the championship, things are once again tightening up. Yeah, it definitely is. And as uh, we look at championship points, I am no longer allowed to wear my Hamilton shirt uh, for watching <laughs> the races because, my goodness, that was just the worst possible day for him. Yeah. Um, you know, zero points. He couldn't even make it uh, around one lap. And, uh, man, Hamilton's got issues at, uh, at the Lesmos, man. That's uh, it's not a good spot for him. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, excellent lesson for Vettel, though, because Hamilton, uh, when he did come out and meet the press, said, it was my fault. I made a mistake. And that sucks because now it's going to be harder to win the championship. Um, it wasn't entirely Hamilton's fault. That, you know, little move could have gone a hundred different ways. Yeah. And he was just fighting hard on the first lap and it went wrong for him. Was he more aggressive than he needed to be? Was he thinking about winning the race more than winning the championship at that very moment? Probably. So was it the best move he could have made? No, absolutely not. But it yeah. wasn't entirely his fault, yeah, he sort of but took, he took responsibility. Well, yeah, he took his time to uh, chill out in his trailer or, you know, whatever trailer. I mean, you know, ridiculous motorhome complex. Yeah, trailer that is, you know, five times the size of your home or mine. Yeah. yeah. So he took a minute, you know, collected himself and then uh, gave interviews where he wasn't passing the blame or uh, yelling at people or any of that. So I think it was a mature thing to do. But ultimately, that is a crappy day for him uh, because that, uh, d- it, you know, it, it could have been worse and that uh, Mark Webber wasn't winning the race or any right, of that. Right, right. He uh, ended up so, sick. So he un- didn't end up losing that many points. But uh, but still, I mean, 25 points or, I mean, it was no, that wasn't in the lead. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of points uh, come the end of the year could be a, a pretty big deal. But what it does, I mean, you know, Hamilton uh, and Webber were starting to become the a, a two-dog race for the uh, championship, and they both had a bad day. Hamilton's worse than, worse than Weber's, of course. And two guys that were languishing behind a little bit, Alonzo and Button, scored huge points, and now it's, you know, four or five people again right up there. Yeah, now, so we've got five drivers within one race win of uh, of each other, so it's definitely, you know, that, that, that's even tighter than it's been because we've had close races for the top two, maybe three drivers <coughs> um, in the last few years. But, right. uh, you know, this is having five drivers, I mean, you know, there's still, what, five rounds to go. Right. And you could even, if you really wanted to, you could throw Moss in there for six drivers, but he's more of an outside chance. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you've got... Uh, Hamilton and Weber in the 180 point range, and then you've got uh, Button, uh, Alonso, and Vettel in the 160 point range, mm. and then you have Massa, and he's got like 120 points or 112 or something. Now I, I can look it up actually we and could, tell you we exactly could get what it is. Numbers. But uh, you know, it's you know outside chance for Massa, but you could even if you wanted to, you could stretch it to six people. Yeah, but uh, to talk about Button for a little bit, he had just a brilliant start. I think he like put Kerr's back on that car or something. He, I don't even know. It was very nice to see him do well again because it had been a little while. He had a bit of a drought. But he was honest to goodness fast, and it was good to see. Yeah, and uh, so um – you know, Alonso was uh, was just more, you know more concerned about, or, or I guess you know Massa just kind of concerned about getting over to uh, to to be <coughs> defensive and kind of moving across the track a lot, and uh, it just allowed allowed Button to just you know work his way through there. So by the uh, the exit of the chicane, oh, and you know Alonso pushed Button over, and you know uh, he he held strong, he fought for that position, stayed inside, still braked late, and made it around. He had a good exit out of the chicane and uh, took the lead, and I mean. Uh, some of those laps, the first 10 laps, went by so fast because Alonzo was putting all kinds of pressure on Button. He was less than half a second away almost the entire time for mm-hmm. that first 10 laps. And Button held strong and actually pushed a gap, and it became more like eight-tenths to you know one second, even one-and-a-half seconds at times. Yeah, it was it was you know just some great wheel to wheel action. The uh, and and it was you know we're sort of talking about there was tension. It wasn't passing. It wasn't you know this guy's in the lead, then that guy's in the lead, and passing back and forth. But it's still just sort of the tension of what kind of pressure is he putting? You know, can he force Button into a mistake? Can oh, yeah, someone overrun ex- their tires? They were and, exchanging fastest laps. Button was faster in sector two, but uh, Alonso definitely faster in sector one and three, which is where the passing opportunities are. Yeah, so definitely some just some good racing going on there. Uh, some interesting battles farther farther back down there, but. Uh, but you know, Button just—it it seemed clear, I think, that uh, that Alonso could have gone faster uh, if he weren't behind Button. You know, he was—he Alonso, I think, could be sort of as close as he wanted to be to Button, but never really had any really close looks at him. You know, he would get right. close every once in a while, but then just under the braking or whatever with the the advantage that Button had, uh, he was able to hold on to it. So, just excellent work by Button to uh, to you know 
keep Alonso behind him. Um, and then it just kind of went wrong for him in the, in the pits. It was it looked like a fine stop and everything, but it just apparently wasn't that fast. Yeah, turned out to be on the slow side. And and it was arguably a lap or two too early as well. There was actually some question about that after uh, afterwards from Button. Um, but uh, yeah, so just after that, after the one and only pit stop in the race here, uh, Alonso was was back in front, and Button, you know, was was. You know, pushing him, giving him some pressure for a couple of turns, and then button. Well, yeah, or then, it, then it he just could, quickly couldn't quite hang. Fell that. behind, but that's actually something I want to mention as well. Uh, something we've seen uh, between that Hamilton and Button. Um, button was obviously um, concerned, upset, disappointed about the pit strategy to come in when they did, and wanted to stay out longer. Uh, maybe Button wanted to stay out until they saw Ferrari uh, pitting, and then pit himself or something. I don't know, um, but he didn't say. Whose decision was this to put me in the pits early? What a terrible decision. You know, very emotional and um, inappropriate things that, you know, that Hamilton has said in the past. But he said, hey, wh- why did we do this? Yeah, you why know, did we pit that early? Why did we pit this early? Why did it happen? Uh, the team responded, and then that was that. And then in the race interview, he said, you know, that might have cost us, but, you know, it was, you know, it was the decision we went with and so on and so forth. I, I, so I think uh, – what Button displays is a, a very mature <laughs> way of going about that. I, I, that's something I appreciate. Yeah, I feel like Hamilton is is kind of hit or miss because sometimes, you know, like we just sort of give him some praise for being mature about handling his retirement and all that. Every once in a while, we get these what I think is generally uncharacteristic uh, comments from Hamilton or just you know some moves where he, he sort of you know slams his team for oh they did the wrong thing and they screwed me up today or whatever. That's not I don't think the norm, but. You know, that happens. Hamilton does that more often than, um, you know, someone like Button, uh, you know, to sort of lash out a team or something like that. So uh, I think he's whatever whatever it is, he's going to hit or miss or a little more emotional or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know. I... Yeah. Well, let's talk about the championship a little bit. I do now have the points in front of me. I'm just going to run down the top six real quick. We've got Mark Webber once again in the lead with 187 points. Lewis Hamilton is now second. He didn't score any of this, so he's still at 182 Fernando Alonso now jumps way up to third with 166 points. Right behind him is Jensen Button in fourth with 165. Sebastian Vettel in fifth with 163. So all five of those guys are within one race win of each other. Sebastian Vettel is 24 points behind his teammate Mark Webber. And then at 124 points, we've got um, Felipe Massa. That's now two race wins plus behind. So that's more of like the 2007 Kimi Raikkonen outside chance. But it's still there. Um, to seventh, we got Nico Rosberg, 112, considering the performance of the car and everything else. I think that's highly unlikely, but, um, uh, so, but very solid five people, like I say, with, within a race win of each other and, and, and still quite close. And which is, adds, I think a whole other dimension to the whole team order thing, because it, there's no clear, you know, who <laughs> do you give the advantage to him? Mean, yeah. If one guy's ahead of the other, uh, but if it's, if, if, you know, one bad day or one good result can can swing this. Then, um, sort of like you were talking about with you know for, Ferrari has the bigger margin between the two drivers. So for them to favor Alonso makes more sense than it's pretty clear uh, than point, Red yeah. Bull favoring Weber. Even I mean, yeah, they're they're separate, but all that could change in a weekend. And there's still five races to go and 125 points on the line. So yep. it's still. Uh, you know, still a ways out to uh, to really think about that. And it's I think it's a, a dangerous way to go, especially, I mean, Hamilton and Button, um, it's hard to say because that with sort of momentum and everything behind it, you know, Button's, uh, you know, doing well right now and, and obviously going to be uh, pretty, you know, pretty excited after after this result. So there's, uh, there's you know, some, some ins and outs to it, which, which make it kind of interesting. Well, what's funny to me is, like, if you look at it, even under the old point scoring champion, uh, old point scoring uh uh, rules, there's still 50 points on the table, and that would still be enough for a lot of these people to overcome and, and still be within reach. Yeah. But with the new points, I mean, so just to give you some context of how close this actually really is, Yeah. It's and the fact that it really was two drivers and now it's five again, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, and uh, and what's, what's interesting, I mean, the only team that haven't scored any points at all, because that was ultimately the reason for the new point system, was just with this many cars in the field, uh, to just give points to more of the field, and you know, the three new teams, 
uh, are the only ones that uh, that haven't scored a single point between them. Even you know, even the uh, you know Force India, you know Williams has been getting quite a bit of points lately. Oh yeah. Um, and the other uh, sort of mid-pack teams, you know, Renault has gotten some uh, some good points and all that. But uh, it's just you know HRT and Lotus and and Virgin that uh, have have not scored any points at all. So they're you know I think that could still happen with uh, there's you know it could be some craziness at Singapore. Maybe Nelson Piquet Jr. will show up. And you never know. Mess things up and you know. Who knows? Maybe but, literally throw a wrench into something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so on, on Red Bull a little bit here, um, Weber just had a terrible start. We saw an onboard of just Second after the start. But uh, it just it just was just creeping off the line and then sort of getting up to speed and, and just not the same really good start that uh, a lot of the other drivers get. And so I don't know if there's still some clutch problems going on or still, you know, mechanical things. Um, but uh, it's, it, you know, they, it seems like they'd be able to figure that out with all the brains going, you know, the, everyone working on these cars at Red Bull, all the development, and as successful as they've been, um, it's obviously not that bad of a day if you end up leading the championship at the end of it. Well, again, uh, but I that's would, a big problem. I would argue that Mark Webber probably has the most aerodynamic clutch on the field. The thing about that is, <laughs> is that it doesn't do you that much good. That's not that great for launches. Right, exactly. I, poor guy. I think it's <clears throat> more than anything just some bad luck, and he had a lot of trouble this race weekend, and maybe it's just, you know, this lump and gearbox combination were pretty well worn out, and they just decided to stick with it because they really didn't want to change things. They wanted to be able to keep an extra engine for the last five races <clears throat> to help avoid having to take a 10-spot grid penalty towards the end of the season. And maybe Vettel felt that, you know, that wasn't worth the risk or something like that because... It, to me, it's bad luck. I don't think this is an epidemic problem. But poor guy, two races in a row. And, uh, you know, to start at fourth and end up at ninth by the end of the first by the end of the first lap is really a shame. And this, just like you say, it comes on top of Spa where he was on pole yeah. and ended up seventh at the end of the first <laughs> lap. Horrible first, yeah, horrible start absolutely. there, yeah. So, um, and so, so there's that part of it is sort of the mechanical problems. You know, I think it's Vettel sabotaging the car, but who knows. Um but uh, then you know, <coughs> with Christian Horner saying it's open season on team orders, that leads you know, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, what does he mean by that? Well, uh, I, I don't think anything, right? I mean, that's just him being an ass. Well, although he has a point, I mean, if um, if you find out it's you know illegal to do something, but it's like, oh, it's illegal, and we know it, but you don't really get punished for it because it's inconsistent, then. What, you know, but how, you will. How Ferrari do you doesn't really that? get punished for him, but you will. I mean, yeah, when it's you know Jean Todd that ends up making these decisions about uh, Ferrari things. Yeah, it's, that's that's a whole other situation. But um, so there was this you know Vettel, uh, what, they, what he thought at the time was an engine problem uh, midway through the race, where he ends up just slowing way down, and yeah. Vettel goes past him. Um, Weber goes past. Him. Uh, yeah, sorry, Weber yeah. goes past him. Um, team orders. What do you think? No, no, it wasn't team orders. I mean, that was proved to us. Um, at the end of the race, where Vettel ended up ahead of Weber anyway, and uh, I, I think it was just a matter of something getting funky on the car, and they fixed it and sorted it out. I think it was just a coincidence that it happened the way it did. Um, I frankly don't think that uh, Red Bull is that clever, nor is Vettel that mature to pull that off in a clever way. <laughs> so I think it was just yeah. it was real and coincidental. And again, uh, you know, Vettel ended up. Finishing ahead of Weber anyway. Yeah, so what they ended up saying was that it was a stuck break, but uh, it was just kind of funny. We were just sort of talking about this, and then, you know, Vettel gets on the radio and slows way down, and it's kind of like, well, you know, is this an arrangement that they have, or what's the deal? And so we got to thinking about it, you know, that early in the race, usually you don't want to bring team orders in until it's like, you know, very end of the race. It's kind of everything is settled out, and you know where people are going to finish, um, and then and then do that. But it's like, man, that early in the race, um, if I were if I were in charge of these things and just sort of wanted to get my guy, uh, Weber, who's leading in the championship, out in, in front, um, I have to say, I just I just bring Vettel into the pits and say like, hey, left front tire guy, just fumble a little bit, and we'll uh, you know we'll we'll just make it a little slow pit stop. You'll be out of his way immediately. But you'll be in the pits. You know, it seems like there's a lot of easy ways you can do that that, that don't have to have coded messages or have anything like that to uh, to do. So I'm yeah, you know, maybe that's well. Insane. At the very least, I would make my coded messages like way cooler. You know, it'd be Foxtrot Charlie. You know, with the Delta and the Zebra, you know, that type of thing. Just have it be non-consequential, you know, things that involve, you know, animals. And that would be, in my mind, you couldn't pin that on Team Orders. It's like, Team Orders, I was talking about Foxtrot being, you know, left of the squirrel 
You you know, that's yeah, not team there, orders. There's no order in that. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. It's chaos, practically. <laughs> well, the other the other controversy this weekend, I think, for Red Bull that uh, hasn't really amounted to anything um, yet anyway, was this uh, the Weber and Hulkenberg battle uh, where Mark Weber, um, this is after Vettel had, uh, had, you know, gotten out of his way and, and apparently sorted out the magic break problem. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, Listen to you, conspiracy theorist Jim Lau over there. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just asking questions. I'm just. I'm just asking the question. <laughs> uh, I need a chalkboard. And a, and a TV show. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Weber was I genuinely, you know, faster than Hulkenberg, and Hulkenberg was missing chicanes and using that as an advantage. Yeah, he was, absolutely. He was holding him off, and then I think it was three laps in a row. I mean, at least two that we saw where Hulkenberg went across the chicane, um, and it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, it was, it was clearly saving him time. It was like he, it was like he missed his braking because he was looking at his mirrors too much or something, pushing a little bit too hard, would straight line a chicane, but stay in front of Weber and uh, not give the, you know, not give that, give that position. Right. Um, it wasn't as if Weber was about to pass him there and he straight lined it to stay ahead, but it was definitely more of had he followed through the chicane Weber would have definitely been right on his nose and had a much better opportunity to pass him at the next chicane or yeah. the next turn. And if you do that once, I feel like, okay, yeah, whatever. You just you, you missed a breaking point. You're doing your thing. You're pushing. That's okay. But it was like you know, a bunch of times in a row. So, I, so Weber got on the radio and was like, hey, you know, what's going on? Are you going to penalize this guy? Are they going to are they going to uh, you know give make him give me that position? Uh, and what we could from what we could tell from the live coverage, the uh, you know. Red Bull actually got on the radio directly to the Williams team to say, "Hey, can you tell your guy to do this? Otherwise, we're going to have to go tell the you know we're going to have to go tell mom on you, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and exactly. tell the and stewards Williams and all that. Like, do it. We don't. We're not. We're not moving over. Yeah. So, but if you think back, remember when uh, uh, Fernando Alonso and Robert Kubica were fighting each other, and uh, Alonso ended up uh, cutting the course to get around Kubica. Yeah, and that was uh, a lot more in the gray area because you know Kubica almost pushed Alonso off, and then he you know, and then he uh, and then he you know cut the chicane and ended up making the pass anyway. With the, I mean, that turned into a whole other thing. But you know, Alonso was penalized for that. He said he took advantage of the race, you know, cut the race course for an advantage. I, I don't see how what Hulkenberg is did is any less than what Alonso did. So yeah. there's another inconsistency. I remember, yeah, because early on that rule, I think was just about if you if you gain a position by cutting the chicane, you have to give it back, and that, which is like okay, but does that mean if I'm uh, you know, if I'm 10 seconds behind you and I cut the chicane every lap up to get behind you and then I make a pass on you, it's like, well, I still, I gained advantage. So then I think they, they modified the wording to say, okay, gain advantage, gain a time, time advantage right, right. or position. Um, and, and I, I think it was, uh, you know, I, I think Hulkenberg de- deserved at least to give that back position. I, I don't want to see him, you know, 10 grid spots or anything like that, but to, uh, to give that position to Weber because Mark Weber lost a lot of time yeah. uh, behind him. Absolutely. And then, and they said, Oh, we're going to take it to the stewards and all that. And at that point it almost doesn't matter because he's, if he's stuck behind him for another six laps or whatever, that's uh, it's just, it's just losing this time towards his rivals. And when you're leading the championship and, you know, one position is, is a you know, good number of points at that level. Um, it's, you know, it's going to, it's a pretty big deal. So if it ends up where Mark Weber loses the championship by one or two points, and it comes back to, you know, any number of things in the season. This could be one of those things that uh, he'd look back on and just be right. really steamed about. And of course, you know, Weber did eventually get around to Hulkenberg on his own, as you might remember from the race report. But be that as it may, it yeah, was but it was still still delayed there. It and, was uh, definitely delayed, and you know, maybe he had a chance at Hulkenberg, maybe even had a chance at Vettel. Who knows? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we talked about him in the race report, it won the race, but uh, Fernando Alonso. Um, I mean, made it work today, but I think more on the strength of the Ferrari team. I mean, he was, you know, Alonso was putting in good laps, but as far as passing in F1, I mean, Alonso didn't pass for the lead. He he just drove his race, and the the guys got him in and out of the pits really well, and it got him in first. But uh, I, I really would have liked to see, you know, an on track move for that. And it's it's sort of unfortunate because I guess the 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 beginning of the race or the first like two thirds of the race until the pit stops was sort of this anticipation of what's going to happen at the pit stops. How's this going right, to work? Right. And I, I guess the whole idea with the, you know, refueling and all that, I mean, part of it is a safety implications, but part of it's like, Oh, it'll be that, you know, that extra element of, of the fuel and burning off and how do the drivers manage it. But 
you know, now we sort of now that we're back to this pretty much one stop situation, there's no excitement there, and it's taking a variable out of it because maybe maybe uh, the Ferraris would you know run with a light strategy for qualifying to get yeah. on the front row because it's uh-huh. Italy, and then have to deal with that in the race. So it's taken out a variable, and then ended up with this single stop strategy. It's like you know, it's sort of an ar- almost a an argument against the. Uh, the refueling ban, just in the, in the way it played out today. Well, I think it's more than anything. It's just, uh, again, we're going to have an opportunity to address this. The whole thing with the tires lasting as well as they do, the, the fact of the matter, in my opinion, is the tires are simply too good, and they last too long. These were the option softer tires that Vettel proved you could pretty much go the race distance on without any trouble. Yeah. You know, he did 52 of the 53 laps on those tires. And, you know, that is a mistake. You can... Give the teams, give give the cars more mechanical grip and a softer tire that just simply doesn't last as long. And then it would be much harder. You know, you know, both Button and Alonso going at that pace they would have gone at if they were at, if, they, if they had softer tires and they had a management board, that would have added a huge element to, yeah. to the race. And but I have to say, even without it, it was still a very exciting race to watch. It went by amazingly quickly. I mean, both uh, in in how it felt and literally. I mean, the race was over in a minute and sixteen, an hour and sixteen minutes. <laughs> a minute and sixteen like seconds. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, it, it's a very good race to watch. I'm not trying to suggest that, but I, I agree with you that um, there's an element lost. But I don't think it's because fuel should be added. I think it's because you know they could do something different with the tires. We saw that in Canada, and it just was the luck of how the circuit was and what the tires they brought were. But I think that's. The element that they need to capture. Yeah, and I think I'm hopeful after after the Canadian Grand Prix when Pirelli said, "Okay, hey, we took a note of how exciting this Grand Prix was, how everyone gave it good feedback for how soft the tires were, and how that became an element in the strategy." And uh, and they hope to make their constructions sort of fit that. So uh, hopefully, you know, we end up with lots of exciting tire management battles and all that because we don't have fuel strategy like we used to, and the pit strategy is. Uh, is is uh, you know sort of greatly reduced as far as how that really affects uh, on track battles, but uh, yeah, overall, yeah, we didn't really mention that the Vettel's run on on tires, but like you mentioned, yes, soft tires from lap one until until lap fifty two of fifty three, right. yeah, and uh, and then just did you know his his one final lap on the on the hards, which is kind of crazy. And and as as uh, Vettel said, he's like, hey, you know, it's a crazy strategy, but if it works, then you're the king, and if not, then you're the idiot or something. So right. apparently, Vettel's the king. Um, although I think if um, uh, so by the end of it, he was able to pit, and he had a, enough of a lead over Rosberg at that point, wasn't it? Yes. Um, to um, to 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 stay in that position, and it, getting back to our, our our conversation about Weber, you know, if Weber had gotten around Hulkenberg earlier on, he may have been able to take the fight to Rosberg. That may have changed things a little bit, but you know, who knows at that point. The best sound in the world, of course. That means it is time for listener feedback where you guys get a chance to have your voices be heard or at least read. And, uh, of course, we had excellent feedback from you guys, as always. Yes, we are alive, and uh, we appreciate everyone's patience with the delayed coverage. Um, uh, Yeah. So on Facebook, as usual, we've got our 740 peeps over there. Uh, I wanted to just thank everyone who's uh, been a part of that, and there's some good some good comments on there as always. If you're not following it, check it out. Uh, Rob Evans actually today posted a comment I, I liked. It was uh, says, "Ah, oh, what a disaster!" You know, as much as I loathe Alonzo, he was a worthy winner today. Utterly relentless in his pursuit of Jensen, and then plenty fast enough to take him at the stops. Today was Alonzo Alonzo's day. Plaudits to the man. It was good to see Jensen back at the sharp end again. And, uh, and then he goes on, to, you know, say he, Lewis is a racer's racer, and for that, you know, for that reason, he adores what he does on track. Except today, when he was a little racier than than was healthy. And uh, unless McLaren has something very special in the bag for the remaining races, like lots more downforce, uh, I fear that he might have cost him the championship. And uh, asks Lewis to please prove him wrong. So that uh, well, that's interesting comment because you know the, I've heard that I mean, we've heard that about McLaren basically since Britain, I think. And McLaren still leading things almost. I mean, it's been toe to toe with Red Bull, but I think it's pretty clear that McLaren's had a, not as good of a car, but just better racing strategy and maybe more complete drivers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but this has been talked about about McLaren for you know more than half the season now. 
Yeah, it's uh, and and it's funny because McLaren's sort of been just quietly collecting points for a while there with all this you know Red Bull domination we saw for a long time with as far as pole positions and and, and race wins and all that, but with Red Bull um, sort of having you know a lot of some some Vettel success, some Weber success, and uh, and then you know even in Button's early win, it's just it's been kind of mixed up, and it's like at the end of that you kind of look at the uh, look at the points, and you're like man freaking hamilton is is right there so uh yes it's it's pretty wild but so thanks to uh to everyone who's been posting on the page it's uh there's more comments than than we could read uh we could do a whole separate podcast just of everything uh, everyone else says but uh, i see some new faces on here with uh rory clark and tony drake and a couple other guys so uh thanks for uh for stopping in and uh and making your voices heard if you're not part of that just go to uh, facebook.com slash f1 show and you can like us and you can write on our page and all that kind of fun stuff. But, of course, the best place to go is the F1 Show page itself, F1Show.com, where we had seven comments this time around. Um, so I want to thank Rob, Michael Kornbrecka, um, Ken, Toby, and uh, Toby uh, said to us, Hey, guys, good to hear your voices again for some reassurance, reassurance that neither of you had died. Fantastic show as always. Nice and long, too. So... <clears throat> You know, we tried earlier in the season to shorten the shows up, but it didn't seem like anybody wanted that. So we've been rambling a little bit more, and hey, you're welcome. But uh, thank you, Toby. We are not dead. That may be actually a coded message for I'm glad it wasn't just one of you because those shows are short. <laughs> and the, the world has spoken that those aren't the good ones. Yeah, I think the world has spoken loud and clear. So I also want to thank Henry Lake, Tony Bird, Stian Johansson, and nobody else. Although, Stian Johansson, um, I, he mentions that the, uh, the Formula One, the official F1 2010 uh, video game is coming out on the, the 24th in September. Um, Heard good things. And, uh, yeah, so that's on, like, Xbox and PlayStation 3 and all this stuff. And uh, I am I am well aware of that. I don't know if I'll be, like, opening day, waiting line, like, that kind of level of dedication to it. But uh-huh. uh, I am looking forward to that. And so if uh, we may have to set up a... Uh, you know, online uh, Xbox Live tournament or something cool because uh, you know I've, I'm, I'm definitely I'll be playing that in the Xbox Live and uh, I'll, I'll give you guys my gamer tag or something. We'll, we'll set something up though. I think it'll would be that fun. work with my steering wheel? Because I bought that steering wheel for that web-based racing simulator and I haven't touched it. Uh, probably not, but uh, we'll see. Okay, we Rob, Rob is not really good at you know Twitter or you know video games, but hey, you know kid stuff. You know it's kid stuff. But uh, although I, I although I, you know I can't give you crap because your day job is you know setting. Lap records in uh, in Mustangs or whatever. So uh, I have no idea what you're talking that's about. That's not that's not a bad way to go. <laughs> okay, so uh, basically, yeah, as we mentioned, visit f1show.com. You can uh, you can post to us on Twitter. We are at the F1 Show. Uh, you can post to Facebook. Leave comments on our on our stuff and uh, look up any other exciting information and old archives. If you want to see what we said about you know Monza two years ago, you could go and do that. I'm not sure why you would, but you can hear how the show's gotten better <laughs> over time, at least, hopefully. And uh, and we always uh, appreciate your comments and questions and suggestions, so keep them coming. Oh, but before we go, one last little thing. John Chu uh, sent put a message on the Facebook page saying that he heard that I was a fan of the NSX, and he said, here's mine. And uh, he's put a picture of it. Well, first of all, I definitely still am a fan of the NSX. And I have to say, when I bought my M3 earlier this spring, it was a really tough choice between the M3 and the NSX. But the problem was is that a good NSX was still like a solid 10 grand more than a good M3. Um, so that drove the decision more than anything else. But they're so cool. But they are so cool. But he posted a picture of this car. It's a very nice-looking car. It's pretty serious. looks like, you know, set up for a track day. He's got Holy this... crap balls, though. Look at the wing on that. Do you do you iron your clothes on that thing, John? Yeah, that's uh, he's got, like, carbon fiber hood. He's got some serious brakes on it, some nice, uh, like, you know, wheels and tires and whatever going. So, yeah, it looks like a uh, very nice car. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, if, if uh, F1 show fans weren't kind of all over the place, it'd be cool to have, like, a meetup sometime or oh, like, yeah, do a track sure. day or something. But uh, maybe we can, uh, in the off season or something, we can all post pictures of our cars and pretend like we're hanging out in a field somewhere, you know. Well, I need to – I still – I mean, uh, John, you know, looking at your car kind of gives me a little bit of regret because I still need to – that I still have crappy stock brakes on my car. I still want to put the brake cooling ducts on. I haven't even taken to a track day yet. Yeah, I've done more tracking in my Mini. You've done more track driving in my Mini <laughs> than you have in your own BMW. Sad, sad, sad situation. Oh, boy. But anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's get some trivia going. Trivia. 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 <laughs>
So the trivia question last week was from uh, Rubens Barrichello's landmark 300th Grand Prix start. Freaking awesome question. Which, of course, um, didn't end well for Barrichello, but raised the question, the uh, what is the, the record for race entries among non-active drivers, and uh, who holds that record? So uh, let's hit us with some knowledge here. The answer, of course, is Ricardo Patrizzi. He is third uh, on the entries of any driver. Um, he, he is behind Rubens Barrichello and Michael Schumacher. So the top two guys are actually current active drivers. Anyway, Ricardo Patrizzi had 257 race starts. Um, he did this over 17 seasons, which is seems like a lot now. I mean, you look at the number, 1977 to 1993, uh, and that's pretty incredible to think about the era of car between 77 and 93. Yeah, that's but, pretty different cars from when he uh, started <clears throat> and finished. And he has won six wins um, o- over that time. His last, win ca- his last win came in 1992 in Japan, driving for a Williams, and he finished second in that year's championship. For the record, Rubens Barrichello is on his 18th season. So you think about that. That kind of blows your mind, it too. It does. So there it is. There you have it. But that was last episode's question and answer, and there is a new question and answer. And I want to point out, oh, actually, ooh, 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 ooh. This just in. Someone, someone, someone had that uh, correct. Oh, almost correct. Wait, I'm going to get to it. I'm so close. Hang on. Wait. Hold on. Facebook is complicated. No, this is – okay, Tony Bird. Hey. Tony Bird had it correctly. Um, he said Ricardo Patrese held the record for the most GP starts until Rubens Barrichello took over. 256, I think. Michael Schumacher also passed this number this season, but until Rubens Barrichello retires or Schumacher retires again, Patrese has the most starts of any retired driver. That is correct, except we've got 257 instead of 256. But Tony Bird, very good job. Thank you. Okay, Jim. Sorry. And there you have it. So um, – on to a question relevant to Monza. We know that it's the fastest track in F1 right now, but uh, sort of got us thinking, you know, what's, so how, how fast uh, have F1 cars gone? So this, the way of looking at this uh, is not top speed because that's, you know, that's, that's nonsense. Yeah, but, uh But, you know, overall average speed over the course of a lap, what is the fastest lap ever recorded by an F1 car? You know, what the, the average speed of that and... Uh, and Good then, question. And I like it. Who who drove the lap and when was it? I like it. That's that's a humdinger. That's a that's humdinger. A humdinger. Yes. So just yeah, what's the uh, fastest ever recorded lap uh, by an F one car? Fastest average speed. And uh, and who done drove it? Who done it? And for once, neither Jim or I are running for the hills when it comes to talking about predictions because it went pretty darn well. Well, it went very well for one of us. Yeah, Captain Gloat Machine over there. <laughs> I boldly said, no, this is Ferrari's home turf. They're going to be going after it. Besides, Red Bull has far too much downforce. They won't be able to go fast enough. So it's going to be Alonzo on the pole and Alonzo to win the race. And what happened, Jim? I, I'm sorry, my my memory is not serving me too yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Button was in the lead. Oh for the my whole God! Time. No oh, points. I aced it. it. Oh. I aced it. I aced it. I had zero points. You said, "Oh, well, how can Red Bull not win this race? It's going to be Vettel on pole, Mark Webber to win." Yeah. Not only did you pick the wrong team, but you picked the wrong. Uh, teammate each time because Weber out qualified Weber out qualified Vettel and then Vettel out raced Weber. <laughs> so you got uh, six points for qualifying, six points for uh, the race. You have ten points. That is ten coke. Somehow six plus six equals ten now. So that's that's interesting. Well, okay, no, they were in sixth and sixth. So that's five points off each time. That's okay. ten cokes or something. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, the stat model. Ooh, the stat model said, well, I'm stupid, so whoever's on pole last time is going to be on pole again. Whoever won the race last time is going to win the race again. And for that, that would have been Mark Webber and Lewis Hamilton. Ooh, that's a tough call. So for the first time this season, this stat model got hosed with 25 points. Uh, Mark Webber qualified fourth, uh, not pole, and Lewis Hamilton finished the race 23rd, not First. Which unfortunately brings us to our fan prediction as well. Yes, we have a new fan. Yes, for uh, predicting anyway. Yes, so uh, on Thursday, so this is before the coverage of stuff started. Uh, Neil Popham uh, posted that uh, we went Hamilton for pole, 
and Hamilton to win the race. Yeah, see, and that is a shame because that was five point. Uh, that was five. He was <laughs> he was fifth in qualifying, and again twenty third to finish the race. That is twenty six points. Although to his credit. Uh, Neil also he predicted you know uh, second and third on the podium would be Button and Alonso which was actually those those are both very close and uh, goes on to say it's about time Button and Alonso got some luck although I'd rather have Kubica in third and yes. Button and Alonso got all the luck so uh, y- y- you almost had it you almost had it but the points do not lie fans you are getting screwed here with 181 points you really need to up your game or maybe have someone else uh, select the fans for you other than us um, that's not gonna happen. Uh, Jim, you are second from last with 135 points. Uh, the stat model is now second with 98 points, and I have retaken the lead with 96 points for the season. Feeling good. Nice. Feeling quite good. All right. Well, all that can come unraveled very quickly with predictions for Singapore. Oh, dear. So, Oh, dear. It'll be the third race uh, at Singapore, the first one being very controversial, Second one kind of overshadowed by some of the controversy from the first <laughs> yes. year and all that. And uh, what do you what do you think? Well, Ferrari's done very well there in the past. Uh, Massa's done very well there in the past. Um, but I'm also kind of I'm getting like a strong Hamilton vibe for two reasons. Mm. One, he uh, he's very good on street courses, and two, you know, he tends to recover from bad races by being extra fast in the following race. Um, I don't know if I have any evidence or statistics to back that up. That's just... But it, it sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. So I'm leaning towards a Hamilton race win. However, I'm going to bre- break what is quickly becoming a tradition of doing pole and winner being the same person. And I'm going to say that Sebastian Vettel will be on pole. So I think the Red Bulls will be very quick again because it's more downforcey at Singapore, and that's where the Red Bulls are suited. But I think Hamilton's going to be able to pull out some racing magic, and take the win at Singapore and reclaim his throne as championship leader. But who knows? Well, I know. Oh, well, then why don't you tell us? That uh, I think you're right. Hamilton's going to be fast. I think uh, it's – it's ooh, because I don't want to predict the same thing as you. I was actually – I was getting the Hamilton vibe as well, but You I, can predict the same thing as me if you want to ride my coattails. You know – that's, that's okay. That, that's the problem. When I ask you first, then you get the uh, you get the freaking <laughs> first predictor advantage. Uh, no, so I think I, I think Red Bull will be will be back on form. I don't want to discount them just because they had a uh, a bad weekend this weekend. Um, I you think, said that last weekend too. You know. You know what? <laughs> just saying. I'm going to stop saying why I come up with things and just, <laughs> and just start pulling names out of a hat. And Yamamoto's going to be out. No, uh, <laughs> all right. So I, I'm actually going to put uh, put Mark Webber on the poll. Mark Webber. I don't know why I said it that way, but yeah, I did. No, that's, it happened. That it's was too great. late now. Um, so he's on pole. Is he going to win the race? Yes. Or is he going to have one of those fumpy starts again? No, he's going to have a fumpy start, but he's going to but he's going to make it work. He's going to recover from his fumpy start. Fumpy? I don't know. Okay. I don't know what fumpy means. Huh. I think it's English for something. <laughs> it may, okay. It may well be. <laughs> And now that you've killed the conversation, all right. Um, so we've got, you know, we're, we're closing in on the end of the season now. Um, what do we have? What do we have well, coming up next? We still have five races to go. We have Singapore, we have Japan, we have Korea, we have Abu Dhabi and well, Brazil. Brazil first, then Abu Dhabi. Well, I didn't um, say it in order. That's ridiculous. Well, it was almost in order. Oh, was it? But uh, yeah, so two weeks until uh, until Singapore, and uh, you know, I'm looking for. I, I like that track. Uh, I, I do kind of like the because Japan. Uh, the way the time zones and everything work out, I mean, we can sometimes watch those late night here, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and that, that's always kind of fun. And then Brazil, now, refer- Fuji's out again, right? So it's definitely going to be yeah, it's Suzuka. Definitely going to be. I love Suzuka. It's cool. Yeah, very so cool. That'll be that'll be cool. So we've got uh, some which some- John Chu. There was a lot of NSX development done at Suzuka with Ayrton Senna with his sweet sunglasses. That's what I'm saying. So it all it all ties together. See how it ties together so beautifully. Alrighty. In the meantime, keep tra- keep track of us on F1Show.com in all the ways that we mentioned, and we'll be back with another show for you in two weeks. Until then, I am Jim Lau and I'm Robin Warner. Take care. The F1 Show is hosted by Jim Lau and Robin Warner. Many thanks to our editor, Jim Lau. We couldn't do trivia without our fact finder, Robin Warner. A tip of our hat to producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau, as well as our executive producers Robin Warner and Jim Lau. Of course, a thousand thank yous to our excellent catering service, Restaurants. 
And finally, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to Bio Bonsai for use of their song Inspector B from the Big Band album for our outro and intro music. The F1 Show is brought to you by two Americans who love the sport of F1, Jim Lau and Robin Warner.